Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that investigates matters to do with motoring and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we have news stories including the latest car sales figures for March and in one category there's a surprising leader. We touch on two subjects with Kia. The first is their new small SUV, the Stonic, and secondly the revival of people movers. And in a final interview, Paul Morell talks of a modern trend, the increasing width of drivers. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on Spotify or iTunes. Or there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City, or Instagram page, Overdrive City, but the Overdrive starts with the number O. So, it's time to start this program. Let's begin with the news. The Australian car market has had another month of growth in March 2021, with overall sales up 22% on last year, but March 2020 was starting to feel the effects of COVID. But March 2021 has regained the levels of sales that were experienced in 2019. The small SUV category has grown 27% and one new player is the Kia Stonic. Kia's production manager, Roland Rivero, reports that it is the top model that is selling very well. And uh, a step up to the top of the range is the GT line, which is at the moment, and as always the case, when you first launch a, a new model range, the top of the range seems to be the most desired. We're getting close to 60% of the mix coming out of that top of the range GT line variant. That's powered by a more pokier or more torquier one-litre turbo, three-cylinder turbo, and a lot of fun to drive. The large SUV market is showing strong performance growth in March with a surprise leader of the pack. This segment has been dominated by Toyota in recent years, especially with their Prado. Other well-known competitors in the class are the Mitsubishi Pajero, the Hyundai Santa Fe, Kia Sorento and a few models from Jeep. But for the month of March 2021, the Subaru Outback sold the most vehicles of any model. Subaru launched a new model of the Outback in the middle of February 2021. Unlike many other models in the category, the Outback looks less like a large four-wheel drive and more like a station wagon. It is comfortable, has all-wheel drive and a 2.5-litre four-cylinder engine that is 90% new, but still of modest power. It is priced from $39,000 to a little under $48,000 plus on-road costs. One of the vehicle segments that was hit particularly hard because of COVID was people movers. For 2020, sales were down nearly 50%. But 2021 sees them bouncing back, especially in March, with sales up 49%. This category reflects the impact of COVID on businesses. The Kia Carnival has led the segment for some time, but Roland Rivero from Kia talks of the decline in 2020. A lot of that is largely due to the fleet business, business fleet uh, and even rental that pretty much took took, took a breather over that period. So it is bouncing back. We're hoping that, you know, obviously 2021 will return to pre-COVID levels. And uh, we've just got to get now from KMC is a bit more stock. 
bit more supply and should uh, should help us get a, a probably one of the best carnival results that we've ever had. Infrastructure Australia has highlighted the need to have transport facilities, not just using environmentally sustainable vehicles, but supporting a hydrogen economy that could be part of an export market. As part of an ongoing development program, Toyota has commissioned Victoria's first commercial-grade permanent hydrogen production, storage and refuelling facility at its former manufacturing site at Altona in Melbourne's west. Toyota Australia's President and CEO, Matthew Caracor, said the Toyota Hydrogen Centre was built to showcase the benefits of hydrogen fuel technology as part of their commitment to developing sustainable technologies for future mobility and energy needs. Hyundai has registered 20 hydrogen vehicles and now Toyota will lease 20 of their Myray sedans, which they brought into the country. The Myray requires no battery recharging, the hydrogen tank can be filled quickly with the right infrastructure, and it has a range of 650 kilometres. And this has been the news. Well, I've just been driving Kia's little SUV in the market, not long been uh, here for sale in Australia, and it's a distinctive little car in a part of a market that's absolutely booming. Well, on the line, we have Kia's Roland Rivero, who's the product manager for this and other products uh, within the Kia range, who's going to help us understand that. G'day, Roland. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, David, and thanks for, thanks for having me. That part of the market, the little SUVs, it's really booming. Oh, they're doing very well, indeed, and we're obviously very excited bringing in the Stonic, filling a gap in our model range. We did it. Recently, obviously, with Seltos also filling the small SUV, smaller in size, obviously, uh, compared to the Seltos, but still, you know, punches above its weight. What, what sort of model variations have you got? And does it vary in terms of power or does it vary in terms of features? We've got a three trim strategy, starting with an S variant as, as the entry. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's got everything you'd come to expect in an entry variant. Uh, with you know, AEB standard, uh, wireless, uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, just to name a few, multi-connection Bluetooth. Uh, you step up into a sport and it's got a few more uh, exterior and interior appealing features to, to catch your eyes on the showroom floor and it is a great upsell with the, the bigger alloy wheels and, uh, and sat nav. And uh, you step up to the top of the range is the GT line. That's powered by a more pokier or more torquier, uh, one litre turbo, three cylinder turbo and a lot of fun to drive. What sort of gearbox do they have? The S and Sport is powered by the 1.4 MPI and that's, that's mated to either a six speed manual or a six speed automatic torque converter type. Whereas the GT line with a one litre turbo, that's uh, strictly mated to the seven speed dual clutch transmission all of which uh, are driving the front wheels. Sometimes some competitors have CVT gearboxes, which can make for it to be rather noisy, in my opinion. And I've got to say, I think that's one of its great features. Roland, these cars are getting a lot of features. Is safety a significant one in a buyer demand? Yes, it is. We've done and conducted our own research where we, we surveyed a good a good sample, over a 1,000 customers uh, looking to buy a vehicle, and... What we found is that in considering the next purchase, 
there are you know multiple factors that customers look at. In general, they look at mainly mainly six factors, of which safety actually comes second. That just tells you in terms of the the hierarchy how important safety is when purchasing a new vehicle. What we see is quality and reliability is number one, but safety safety rating and equipment is closely number two. With that in mind, we've made sure that obviously with the Stonic, that you know, it retains a, a five-star ANCAP safety rating, which it does. And we put AEB, Autonomous Emergency Braking, across the range, which uh, our customers these days expect in a new model. We've taken that into into strong consideration when uh, when putting the features in and developing the the new Stonic, and that'll be a consideration for all new products as always uh, moving forward. I like the idea of having it across the range. It's all very well to say uh, it got a five star rating, but it was only the top of a range vehicles, particularly as you go to fleets and all. And I'm talking broadly about your whole range of products. So not only make it so that you can put it in an advertising, but make it so it's available to everybody. Absolutely. It's good that you do, you did mention the fleets there because there are numerous fleets like government fleet, uh, major corporates some not-for-profits, where their policy in vehicle purchase is a hard five. If it's not a five-star ANCAP vehicle, they simply won't even look at it. Who's buying these, young people, or is there a broader range of customers? The marketing strategy uh, and the positioning strategy, we were aiming and targeting uh, the younger demographic, per se, but as to be expected, uh, you will get a variety of customers coming in uh, to buy this vehicle. It's it's not only ideal for the, for the young and those with probably no children as yet, but it's also ideal for, for the elderly. It's seating position. It's got obviously good ingress and egress and uh, suits them quite well. It's a second car, for example. But uh, we are getting a variety. Whilst marketing can attempt to do some things, a variety of customers are coming through looking at the Stonic. You said that the sedan, the passenger car market, is declining, although you guys are still doing well, and the market segment is up a little bit so far this year in the very small class. Is there sort of a dichotomy in the market between those that have a bit of spare cash now and buying big SUVs versus those that are very price conscious and are buying smaller cars, be they smaller passenger cars or smaller SUVs? Well, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good question. Probably we need to do a deeper dive and analysis of the situation. But uh, you know what, what the effects are with uh, with obviously with COVID and coming out of COVID, we're seeing that the prices are on the rise even in the secondhand market. So if, if secondhand values are on on the rise, it's a bad thing having uh, that passenger range that we offer in Picanto, Rio, and Cerrado. Mm. They're still very important products for us, even though we are bolstering our SUV range. They're very important products for us, and um, you know we've got uh, the likes of uh, MG that are breathing down our necks, and we've just got to make sure that we, we still protect our turf with respect to our passenger sales. Hmm. We are still second, just behind Toyota in the passenger vehicle segments. I think that, again, very important for Kia to hold on to that. Hmm. But nonetheless, obviously, um, with the situation of, being unable to travel, uh, low interest rates and other economic factors, we, we are growing as an economy also. Australians are, are happy to uh, to spend and therefore SUVs uh, continue to uh, to grow and take off. 
there is always that uh, perception of the higher ride height and the perception of safety and practicality on top of that hmm. uh, makes the SUV the, the ideal, not to mention, of course, also uh, pickups and utes, which are uh, the ideal Australian, uh, Australian vehicle. We've got a very interesting dynamic in our market, uh, fairly unique uh, even when compared to other markets. And I think that Australians just appreciate the variety that we offer and think that the brands that are doing well aim to provide that variety to the Australians. There is a, a press release out that you put out saying that there's a mild hybrid for the European market. Will we see it here in the Stonic? There is a mild hybrid uh, offered in uh, in Europe. Uh, we we have no plans, to be honest, David, to bring it to Australia. What we are looking at for our green car strategy is uh, is hybrid, plug-in hybrid and electric vehicles. At this stage, uh, stock levels uh, are rather tight with Stonic and adding any more complexity to that range uh, is just going to make it a little bit more difficult from a supply chain perspective anyway. Um, but nonetheless, uh, what we are seeing is the, the one litre turbo, which is a very frugal and a very low CO2 uh, footprint vehicle is is uh, is definitely doing well in the range and uh, like I said, um, had we got more stock, it's probably going to it'll probably have a, a greater mix. But right now, it's enjoying just shy of sixty percent of the uh, the Stonic mix. You're listening to Overdrive. Here's something to think about. I was talking to our Melbourne correspondent Chris the other day. His daughter is going for her licence. In Victoria, you have to go for your driving test in a car that has a manual handbrake. You cannot use a vehicle with an electric one. Of course, a licence taken on an automatic car means that you cannot drive a manual, but are there other things that you should have experience on or alternatively have a restricted licence? Any thoughts on that? Send us an email to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. Let's talk tyres for a minute, or more specifically, the recent trend towards space saver tyres and the problems they cause car owners. Recently, in the heavy rains, I unfortunately blew a tyre at 40km an hour in a huge pothole. It was filled with rain and I simply didn't see it. Roadside assistance came. They were excellent. They swapped the tyre for the space saver spare. It was here that the problems started to become apparent. By definition, space saver tyres are small and save space so the flat tyre wouldn't fit into the same area under the boot floor. So where does it go? If I had a boot full of luggage, I would have had absolutely nowhere to put the tyre to drive home. The second issue is that space saver tyres are limited to 80km an hour. A long story short, a trip down the freeway in torrential rain at 80km an hour followed. Space savers are not the best in the wet, and also there is a huge speed differential between myself and trucks that kept approaching fast on my tail. So as a consumer, I say no to space saver tyres, as the only benefit is to manufacturers. A spare tyre is like insurance. You hope you never need it, but when you do, you want the best. I'm Rob Fraser. You're listening to Overdrive. And now back to Roland from Kia. I've just been driving the latest Carnival when people look at it and say that's a pretty impressive looking car. People movers have moved away from being just the boxy, sensible shoe design to something that is a little bit more stylish. Is uh, that the reaction you found to the new Carnival? 
I'll be honest with you, the first time I saw the clay model a few years ago now, believe it or not, I was very, very impressed with the, the styling direction taken. It's finally come out now, which is great to see. Definitely the reaction that it has been getting from many customers alike and from, the, from those that would have been shopping an SUV is how SUV-like uh, the profile is. You, know, you can argue from C-pillar forward, you could easily mistake it for uh, an SUV. And I think the designers really aimed to uh, to do that in terms of what used to just be seen as uh, some markets just called a van, <laughs> a minivan or uh, a soccer mum's vehicle. And I think that if you want to uh, grow the appeal of the carnival, you've got to do that. And it's definitely something that, that KMC has, has employed and we're here reaping the benefits of it. Initial demand for Carnival has been relatively strong and that uh, even in the private sector, it's looking quite good at the moment. So uh, we're, we're quite happy with the, the styling of it, but at the same time, we didn't neglect making sure that from a features and specifications perspective, that it's also right up there with the, the large SUV segment, for example. It's right up there with uh, with Sorento and even uh, you know the likes of CX-9, Santa Fe, Kluger, etc., so uh, we were mindful of the fact that uh, there was an opportunity there, particularly given our current Sorrento stock levels have been relatively tight. It's been hard to get Sorrento largely because of its global success. With that, we've been able to, to move some customers over to a carnival, and uh, I think some of those customers haven't looked back. The People Mover segment actually was hit hard with COVID during the, the worst COVID months. It seems to be bounding back in the first three months of 2021. You're absolutely right. And uh, a lot of that is you know, largely due to the fleet business, business fleet uh, and even rental ah. that pretty much took a, breath, took a breather over that period. So it is bouncing back. We're hoping that, you know, obviously 2021... We'll return to pre-COVID levels, and uh, what we just got to get now from KMC is a bit more stock, a bit more supply, and should uh, should help us uh, get a, a probably one of the best carnival results that we've ever had. Well, you've got nearly 60% of the market now, so uh, of that segment, so that's doing pretty good in the people mover. Roland, always great. I I really do appreciate your time. Anytime, David. It's good to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. You're listening to Overdrive. We received some very supportive comments about an item we did two weeks ago where we read out a government employment ad for a signals adaptive engineer. You may remember some of the words were achieve the technical risk in traffic signal software design by applying policies, standards and guidelines and confirming security policies and methodologies are consistently implemented across project development, operational and administrative processes and procedures. Furthermore, you must model collegiate and collaborative behaviours. Now, the comment I received was in support of highlighting how the Transport Department in New South Wales is now dominated by buzzwords and PR speak rather than engineering and other professional input. Now, we have just received an email where it invites us to comment on the just-released 96-page Sydney Bays West Place strategy. Bays West is an area just west of Sydney CBD that has a long-abandoned power station, large flat docks once used for parking imported cars, 
a cruise terminal and a few other things. The document is full of ideals such as diverse employment, affordable housing, innovative corridor, growth, social infrastructure, open space design, excellence, etc, etc. After a few colleagues had looked at this, we received an email from a retired senior executive of state government who said, I only read the executive summary and most unimpressed. It is not a strategy. I would best describe it as motherhood niceties that no one can argue with, as it contains no substance. This is typical of what non-competent people come up with when they have no idea what they want or what to do. A strategy should set a clear practical vision for the future and say it in a very few words. Then it should represent an action plan to achieve this strategy, such as build the railway station by 2030. The other perfect representative of a nothingness is the huge length of the document, another strategy used when writers have nothing of substance to say. Blind the reader with a worded, meaningless document that readers will soon put down or rip up because they become bored or disgusted with it, and hence no objectionable responses. And finally he says, and so sit back and see what actually happens as this document will have no meaningful influence on the outcome. When I read his missive, it reminded me of a professor of town planning who warned against land use planning by aspirational photographs. And just to top it off, we've just received notification about the preparation of the 2026 Road Safety Action Plan, which has a number of tasks aimed to get some feedback that, of course, could lead to another big report. This is Overdrive across Australia. Toyota RAV4 has been an outstanding sales success over the years and now, since 2019, with the addition of the all-wheel drive hybrid version, it seems to tap into a growing market segment. We drove the GXL hybrid all-wheel drive version that combines a 2.5-litre Atkinson cycle four-cylinder petrol engine with an electric motor generator that drives through a six-step CVT. It provides the most powerful drivetrain in the range and combines maximum outputs of 160 kilowatts. The all-wheel drive system is provided by electric assistance to the rear wheels when necessary. Fuel economy is excellent, as you would expect, at about 4.8 litres per 100 k's. This is not an adventure vehicle, it's for city and main road-based driving that has the added safety benefit of all-wheel drive. Having said that, the combination works extremely well, and driving the RAV4 hybrid is simply like driving any other car, only with better economy. Features include an advanced multimedia system with steering wheel controls, full Bluetooth connectivity, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, digital radio, satellite navigation, wireless phone charging and voice recognition. The hybrid GXL all-wheel drive is priced from around $42,900 plus the usual costs. I'm Rob Fraser. This is Overdrive across Australia. Now, Elton John, many years ago, released an album called A Single Man, I believe, and it had a picture of him elegantly dressed, but also sitting in a red XK120 from the 1950s, a Jaguar, of course. The car was beautiful, flowing lines, but it was not comfortable to sit in. Is room for the driver the biggest trend in cars over the last 70 years, and is it becoming more and more critical? Who better to talk about that? Then our good friend Paul Morell. Good day, Paul. Good day, David. I hope that's not an observation on my ever-growing girth. <laughs> well, I suddenly realised it might have been on age as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
cars, are they bigger inside and do they need to be? I think both. Yes to both of those, David. Um, people generally, certainly in the uh, what we're not allowed to call the first world anymore, but people are certainly getting bigger and cars have to reflect that. So we need to have seats that are wider and they push further back. And, and of course, we have adjustable steering columns. So, yes, the answer is yes, they are getting bigger, as are we. The problem that has arisen in this regard, not just cars, but public transport in America, one state widen the seats on a ferry in order to cope with their particular uh, physical dimensions. And, of course, it reduces the capacity of the car, of the ferry. Now, in your early days, your wild, illogical youth, you owned a Honda S600? Yes, I did, for my sins. That was a little sports car, chain-driven? It was, yes, Tiny sports car, 606cc engine capacity, double overhead cams, four carburetors. It was a very, it was a technological tour de force, and also, as those things often are, very delicate. Did you fit into it easily? I did then, David. Um, but then I also, <laughs> sorry, I fitted sorry. into it quite well. But I also wouldn't fit into the the flared pants I was wearing at the time, or the or the the body the body shirts that I was wearing at the time. So, yes, things and times change. Look, those early cars, the Jaguars, they were horrible to sit in, weren't they? They were. Part of the problem, I guess, was that you always had to have the steering wheel in a position where you could lever it around because they didn't have power steering, and that steering was usually pretty heavy. So you needed a big steering wheel, which, which obviously impacted on internal space and into your lap and into your chest just so you could lever the thing around it was quite an interesting era as cars got as we got closer to newer cars they suddenly realized that yes you didn't need the you didn't need the popeye forearms and you could turn a turn a steering wheel without it being huge or having power steering and space got bigger cars got bigger and and now we fit in them much more comfortably you always had a lot of room for your legs and feet, didn't you? The, if you go back to, say, the Austin Healy's. But you were sitting, as you say, with this steering wheel uncomfortably close, let alone from a safety point of view. There used to be a rugby player called Austin Healy. Really? His parents had a very poor sense of humour, I think. <laughs> Healy was their last name. So they called their, their firstborn Austin I always thought that meant that he had very short arms and long legs. Yes. Some of the other earlier ones, Nissan Silvia, I think you mentioned. Yes, I did. The Nissan Silvia was tiny, as was, say, the Toyota 2000 GT. Now, there is some argument that maybe that they were designed around the, the average Japanese uh, physiognomy, but they were tiny, and some people... Myself included, found it very difficult to get into a Nissan Silvia, which most of your listeners probably won't remember. And the Toyota 2000 GT was sort of like a, a, a seven-eighths version of a, a full-size car. They were tiny. It was one that actually became You Only Live Twice, I think, a James Bond movie. It was, indeed. Live or Let Die. Now, I think it was You Only Live Twice, but they actually had to rush through to make a one without a top so that Sean Connery could fit into it without sort of scrunching his neck. Yes, exactly. He, he was not able to get into that car. And I think the other reason was so that they could actually film him 
in the car because obviously in a closed car it became a bit more bit more problematic. Yeah, but it's 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 a factor that it's going across the board. I mean, we noticed that they've had to strengthen the um, the stretches for ambulances, for example, because people are generally speaking bigger and heavier than they were. Oh. and hospital beds have had to be made bigger and heavier because we are simply getting bigger and heavier, some of us more than others. <laughs> I put that down to just age, but you're saying there's a social trend of uh, people of all ages, well, just being taller. I saw some statistics the other day that showed that when we had leaded petrol going crazy, that the average size, particularly in the early days, the average height of people went down a little. Really? Hmm. It's interesting. I wonder, I wonder, well, there must be a correlation somewhere. I'm cautious about causation and correlation, but they claim that was the case. I'm not suggesting we bring back lead in petrol. I'm not suggesting that. No, no. Maybe they were just bowed down by the ever-increasing price of petrol, David. <laughs> and that was our good friend, Paul Morell, who runs the website SeniorDriverOz.com. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Roland Rivero, Paul Morell and Paul Just for their great help during this program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or there's our Facebook site, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.